Reporting is Eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company. They're a small local roaster in Appleton, Wisconsin, and I make a pot of their Packerland breakfast blend just about every morning. I also have a very large bag of the barrel-aged coffee that I enjoy on the weekends. If you go to appletoncoffee.com and use code RAE at checkout, you'll save yourself 10% and you will support the show. Once again, that's appletoncoffee.com, code RAE at checkout. Hey everybody, welcome to Reporting is Eligible, episode, I forget, um, Thanksgiving, we'll call it that, the Thanksgiving episode of Reporting is Eligible. Um, I did not put the number in the rundown, which is why I, I didn't, I forgot to, what it was. Um, but this is a game directly after the Colts game, Bears coming up, long holiday, nice time off, everybody not traveling, not hanging out with their relatives. Um, I'm I'm actually fine doing that. My birthday is actually on Wednesday, and my birthday is always ruined by Thanksgiving. I'm always with relatives that I love my relatives but uh, at least growing up I was often with the relatives that I don't care for as much so (laughs) Um, I am looking forward to having my first birthday like ever where I'm just at home and can sleep in and don't have to get up and make turkey and do anything so this is going to be great Um, only good thing that's ever come out of lockdown Uh, uh, we have the the full house today um, over in uh, in urban Wauwatosa as everybody told him on the discord yesterday during the game we have It's uh, J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Everybody, you know when you listen to a good podcast, they have an introduction that sort of like just rattle off some some sort of routine. The routine on this is Paul not remembering the member, not remembering the number of the show. Just like I, I don't know, I, I, I got nothing. It's it's really, you know, it lets me know that I'm home. It's really quite yeah. nice. I, I do. I, I was I had a nice trend of writing it in the rundown, so I wouldn't forget it. And uh, it lasted until exactly this episode when I just wrote RA Rundown Colts for some reason. <laughs> I know when I listen to a podcast, the first thing I want to know is what number episode it is. That's very important to me as a listener. I know nobody cares. I, all, all I'm doing is, I think, copying Effectively Wild, which is on like episode 1540 or something like that. We're never going to get there. We're not. Paul. We're definitely not. There's no chance. <laughs> Especially since that is a daily podcast and this is not a daily podcast. Oh, my God. So to get there, we would have to... St- Stay doing it for like I don't know thirty years or something like that. How many and, guys do they rotate through on Effectively Wild? Um, they've had five hosts total, um, and Ben and Sam did the first like thousand by themselves. Yikes! <laughs> and now it's and now that I have three, it's it's uh, still Ben and Sam and Meg Raleigh, who is great by the way. Um, so th- they've had other. I think Grant Brisby did it for a little bit, and they had uh, somebody else, Jeff Sullivan, I want to say. Um, but uh, it's really just a small show that they just do every day somehow. I don't even know how. Uh, a lot of disrupted families there. It, or Yes, indeed. Also, some unusual personalities, those two guys. <laughs> if you ever read... If you ever read like profiles of, I get them, by the way, I can't tell Ben from Sam, I mix them up, um, even though they're very different people. They're they're interesting kind of weird guys too. So um, it takes, it takes <laughs> a certain like type us. to do a daily podcast. You know, we're totally normal. Um, definitely don't all have beards and sitting in basements um, right now. So um, anyway. My other favorite bit is that we never get to Matub. Like <laughs> into the podcast and we finally introduce, oh, what's going on in Colorado? <laughs> my, my goal is to never introduce Matub. So 
see how far I can make it. We should set an over under every podcast and give a prize out. Um, okay, fine. In in lovely Colorado Springs. Over in Colorado Springs, I'm Matt, but you can call me Matub. Uh, meme Weaver for Acme Packing Company in general. Twitter Rabble Rouser. I like that you have that like canned and organized. You can tell that you you've got it all together. Like you know exactly what you're talking about. Well, it's funny is the phrase. My name is Matt, but you can call me Matub, has been my podcast intro now for over a decade. I've been <laughs> podcasting since 2009, using that as my intro. That's why it's, it's very practiced. Right. You think you yourself are on 1,100-some episodes? Um, no. Back when I was doing I was doing a podcast called The Fuse 4 Network, it was mostly video game news. I think I did maybe 100 episodes of that. I remember that existing. I've probably listened to you before. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Fuse, it's funny. Fuse That's 4, actually, back in the days of podcasts only being on iTunes, Fuse 4 had like a couple hundred thousand iTunes subscribers, but we had no outside interaction. So, the podcast was based out of Canada by a, a guy named Dave McCauley. And uh, <laughs> we got sponsored by Future Shop, which is like Canada's version of Best Buy, to do a giveaway. <laughs> and like we got like 10 entries for a giveaway that needed over a thousand then future shop was upset they're like how do you have two hundred thousand listeners and no one does anything I'm like well we have two hundred thousand subscribers we don't have two hundred thousand listeners <laughs> i love any story of canadian media because i do feel like it's the thing that's most different about canada then there is a whole subculture of like canadian shows like canadian hollywood almost and canadian stores oh. What's crazy is there are laws about the amount of media produced by Canadian artists and creators that has to be shown or, or played on the radio. So there's this band that I really like. They're called Marianas Trench. They do like pop punk. Um, it's the lead singer Marianas Trench wrote the song Call Me Maybe. Oh, and okay. They're they're huge in they're Canada. huge in Canada, they're yeah. Like, <laughs> well, no one's ever heard of them over here because in Canada by law, like one out of every four songs on the radio has to be Canadian. Okay. So you get played a lot over there. It makes sense. It make that's Arcade Fire's move to Canada was a blessing. It worked out well for them. Um, <laughs> government so subsidized. All, Emmy. When I'm in Detroit, we get the Windsor Station, and it's great rock and roll. I love Canadian rock and roll. So I always appreciated that one out of every few songs would have to be Canadian because those typically were my favorite songs. As long as you know, as long as Nickelback wasn't involved, it was pretty sweet. <laughs> that's like chad corker with a cold but yes <laughs> how about marquez valdez scantling it's marquez I'm bad. JR. <laughs> I'm bad and i do not want to be i do not want to be in his crosshairs because he is he is going after people as probably he should yeah after, he's uh, only going after he's only going after mark daniels it's true <laughs> that was <laughs> that was that was not professional <laughs> um yeah, let's we can start with MVS, who who had the the most MVS game possible, pretty much, uh, the highs, the lows, the everything in betweens, and I I actually will go to bat for him a little bit here, um, just because he, he made the mistake that everybody's going to remember because it was the last mistake, it ended the game, but there was so much that went into this game that made that play more important, like. There were so many other bad plays. That he 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 himself made a couple of really great plays, um, and not just the ones that showed up on the highlight reel either. Um, before that fumble, he actually was having himself a very nice game, and um, we, we shouldn't just make this all you know in one basket. Like um, it, it's what one of the things that like in, I'm going to do the baseball thing real quick so we get that um, 
meme out of the way. Um, if you if you ever read about like the creation of war, one of the big things that went into it was ha- figuring out how to divvy up credit for like the guy who lost the game by like being too slow to tag up to go home or um, you know getting caught in a dumb rundown or just striking out on a fastball down the middle versus a guy who lost the game in like the fourth inning by something you didn't matter that much because you're tempted to give all the blame to the guy who was in the win-loss situation but there's lots to divvy up and um, it, so MVS did that but before that Darius Shepard had a crushing fumble for no good reason um, and MVS had a crucial block on an Equimanius St. Brown almost touchdown and MVS caught the bomb that kept them in the game in the first place and put them into overtime without that there would be no opportunity so um, people are wishing him death on Twitter right now don't don't do that don't be that person that's just stupid Um, unavoidable but just unfortunate to see but really like it, it was a group effort, and he didn't play that badly. Like Aaron fumbled. Well, Aaron's fumble was kind of not an Aaron fumble, but, you know, he had a bad player too, too. He threw a bad interception. You could put it on him as much as you can, MVS. I mean, honestly, I was I was on the APC podcast after show blaming Aaron Rodgers more for the loss than I was blaming MVS. Yeah, even, and, on, even on the play, um, is it was it Lazard and Sternberger out there blocking for him, I think? Um, or more like accurately, it was, it was either Tunyon or Sternberg. It was one of the big white one tight of the big ends, white tight ends who can't block. Um, like they, they had, to, there were two guys out there. They had to block one guy. They both whiffed on him. He, he ran right between them, and I'm sure that MVS was expecting at least one of them to at least chip the guy running at him. Um, and, and I think it was uh, oh, shoot, I forgot the safety's name, Julian something. Um, but you know, those guys missing their block are as much responsible for that that fumble occurring as he is because they weren't supposed to do that. <laughs> he was supposed to be able to complete the arm switch to the outside, run around them, and gain a bunch of yards. And um, that play broke down in many ways, only one of which was MVS's fault. Julian Blackman made a hell of a play. Yeah, like, that's Julian a really Blackman. good defensive play. It's it was. just as good, higher stakes even, than the play Raven Green made earlier in the game where he popped out a fumble from Mo Ali cox as the guy was getting tackled. I mean, that's a that's a whale of a play, especially for a rookie to make. And I also think, and, you know, we could get really philosophical about this, but people, the thing is, like, people aren't going to remember this game. I mean, it was an important game because it was two really good teams, a really good litmus test. But this is an AFC game. We're still in the middle-ish of the season. Mm -hmm. This team is going to go to the postseason. No one is going to remember 2020 based on what happened in the AFC games in the middle of the season. I rewound to 2019. Uh, The Packers had a loss last year. You know, they obviously this is a season that ends in the NFC Championship game. They lost. I want to say it was to... And I haven't. I've already forgotten who they played. Philadelphia, <laughs> one point game. They they drive down. They have a chance to to win with a touchdown. It wasn't a one point game. One score game, and uh, ball deflected off of Marquez Valdez Scantling. I don't know if anybody even remembers this. Intercepted in the end zone. Packers yeah. lose. Everyone oh, yeah. remembers it. But he was being held like. Two oh yeah, hands. yeah, yeah. It's totally not his fault. I mean, he was getting held. It wasn't a great throw. Like you know, this is not on him. I'm just saying like. I bet the people who are wishing him dead don't even remember that game because these games will completely disappear from memory in the middle, you know, once we get to the postseason. Yeah. Um, This game, it's funny, is the the things that I bet on this game. Uh, I bet Indy Indy to win outright. So uh, the line was Indy minus two. So that happened. Uh, I bet the over and that happened. Yep. So the the result is everything I expected, but it happened in the worst way possible. Yeah. 
it was a really up and, and that's why there's two sides thing. to it you can be encouraged by how close they were in this game knowing that probably shouldn't have won that game and and four turnovers fluky fluky things and that they didn't recover any of those fumbles yep. or you know they're not going to commit four turnovers the next time they play a team of this caliber you got to feel pretty good that the packers could have won that game in you know six or seven times out of ten i'd Paul, say most have, of the time um do you have the packers fumble luck as a whole yes i do up some <laughs> uh the packers have fumbled eight times this season um, Aaron Jones has fumbled twice, and both times the Packers recovered. Tim Boyle fumbled once against the Buccaneers. The Packers recovered. All other fumbles, um, all five other fumbles, have been recovered by the opponents. Um, that's do you, do what, you have Adams forced by the Packers? I do not have forced. Sorry, I that was harder. It, you but know. I, I feel like the Packers have worse fumble luck this year than they do last year. Almost certainly the case. Yeah, I'll try and I'll try and grab those sometime. Um, it's easy to look up one team's fumbles. It's hard to look up every team's sure. fumbled against that team. So, um, but uh, Devonte has lost one last week. MVS has lost one. Aaron's lost a couple, um, and of course our friend Tyler Irvin, who can't seem to help himself, has also lost one. So, um, th- those are those are all the, the bad fumbles. Um, by the way, MVS um, is PFF's highest graded run blocker for this game, including all of the offensive line. Um, he did all the little things right that he normally doesn't do, except for the one big thing that everybody saw. So he mm-hmm. like, blew up Xavier Rhodes on speed, and this is pass blocking, but on Devontae's touchdown, he that's, did. That's yeah. him. He did a good job blocking all around. I mean, we're not strangers to criticizing MVS on this podcast. We obviously have said many times we'd like him replaced, um, but you know, there's two sides to, to every coin, and honestly, the criticism's over the top on this one, uh, and. He played a very complete receiver game that he usually doesn't play before that happened. Also, not his forte on on the little screen passes. I think yeah. one thing we also learned from this game is that Alan Lazard's not right yet. He did not have a very good game. He looked pretty slow. He he missed a bunch of blocks, which he normally doesn't do. And that play normally is probably a, a two-Lazard play, or if it's not, he, he actually seals that block because he's usually good at that. Um, this was MVS playing a little out of his comfort zone, and honestly the play should have worked um they had a mismatch out there with two against one and he's fast enough that he should have gotten around the end so uh if it's executed properly he's probably looking at being a hero and hey, what happens if if tyler irvin is in the game do you think that's a play to tyler irvin <laughs> um it, it like it's a throw the smoke screen to the to your swervy guy it's at least a tyler irvin type play and probably above yeah. mvs yeah but if they're if tyler irvin's in the game they went in regulation anyway because, <laughs> because <laughs> they get kick returns that go beyond the 25 yard line and they don't fumble any of them yeah i mean by the way nobody go find darius shepherd's twitter and tell him that he should be dead also after we did after we finish the segment that we're about to start but uh, Darius Shepard needs to be off the team because he's not good at anything on a football field. Um, did you guys, did you guys see the thing I said about Shep after the game? I did not. Um, so uh, Zach Cruz of Packer Wire was tweeting about um, people throwing hate at MVS, and he said that M- MVS is not the wide receiver that you should be mad at. I did see that, and then he just he left it at that. He didn't say anything. And my response was, Shepard's not a wide receiver; he's a liability. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know why he's still on the team. It, you can say he's on the team because Irvin's hurt, which is only true in the sense that you need somebody else on the team to fill the roster spot. Um, yeah, but he is literally the worst kick returner in the league. He makes—he's not a good athlete. And if you're going to be a returner, not a good athlete, you have to be like savvy or smart. Like like Tremont Williams late in his career would get stuck back for punts once in a while. That's fine. 
but uh, he's not secure with the ball. He doesn't ever get past the 25. He he got bailed out by that ball hitting the the goal line by two centimeters or whatever it was. He almost had two like crippling plays on over the course of this yeah. game. Um, so like I, I don't want to say he's dumb, but he's not football smart. He always makes bad decisions, <laughs> and you he's guys, a, he's a two raz. Like he's not fast or shifty or anything. Yeah. Like you the, guys remember when I was anti Tyler Irvin being signed for one very specific reason. Um, no, but I vaguely recall you being anti him. I don't remember the reason. Uh, Darius Shepard was the worst punt returner in the history of the NFL. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. So he, he was going to, uh, he was on pace to have the Packers with negative punt return yards for the season. Right. The Packers had like, um, a huge amount of negative punt return yards last year, it right? It was negative. It was negative 22 yards. I think when they signed Tyler Irvin. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know if you can hear May is finished with her bath in the background, so we've got a lot of excitement going on. Cameo. But um uh yeah, so uh Packers were like minus twenty two punt return yards halfway through the season. And the, the league and record was like Tyler hundred, Irvin. right? What's that? And the league record for fewest was like a hundred, right? Something like that. The league record for fewest, I think, was it was barely over zero. It was like nine. I think oh, okay. nine was the record. Um Yeah, and and so Shepard was on pace to break that record and I was anti because Irvin got them back into back into black game one he did he's good he's really good yes and I was like no this is the worst and then he was really really good and I was like okay memes dead who cares let's go so and I've been I said this on Twitter and um, I want to just clarify that I was not kidding I think he's the least valuable Packer of all time Um, just because he has essentially ruined like two and a half games in like 25 snaps, which is incredible. Like <laughs> normally if there's a bad player on a team, you know, he'll, he'll like be way on the bench. He'll be in an emergency situation. He won't actually play that much to hurt you. Um, and if he does, it's very limited. Like even like TJ Rubley's one big screw up. I mean, it was terrible, but it was just one and then he never played again. But like Terry Shepard keeps getting to go out there and provide negative return value and then every once in a while just like give the ball away that Detroit game last year he had the office face interception which was hilarious and and terrible for the game I forgot (laughs) and also fumbled the punt return or a kickoff return like he that guy is just a disaster I can't believe he's uh, he should be gone right now I can't believe he's still on the team get rid of Darius practical from a practical standpoint, too, the, the the book is now officially out there. I mean, Indianapolis knew what you knew and what everyone knows, that he's not a skilled return guy, and kicked it intentionally to him. They kept it short. I don't know why every team in the NFL wouldn't do the same thing, wouldn't replicate that. He literally did not return a ball to the 25-yard line until he fumbled it uh, and, and did not get there. As far as I know, did not get there again. He got to the 23 at one point, but I don't think he broke the 25 at any point when he was returning it, the only, you know, the, the ball that hits the line is the only one. So their teams are going to do this exact same thing. And obviously Tyler Irvin's healthy. It's a moot point, but th- th- that's the other side of this. You have to have somebody who can do the job and he ain't it. So who, who is it? Is I mean, it's, is it, is it Jair Alexander? So, like they no. just don't no. seem to have a lot of guys. I mean, I, I know it's not, but like they don't have a lot of guys that they can sort of like semi-sacrifice and put in that position. Well, let's start so, with literally anybody can do better. Well, than so him. I got, I got to check something off the list real quick. Okay. The, the RAE meme list. Um, Madden defaults Jair as the kick returner for the Packers. Oh, wow. That's so Madden assumes that Jair would be the best kick returner. Which he probably, he probably would, be, would be, but, but 
but Still. you don't put your your shutdown corner at kick returner. Well, it's, Madden and I see eye to eye on something that's super right. weird. This, this isn't the '90s anymore. Like you can't put <laughs> Deion Sanders back there. Like can't like Kadar Holman do it or just bring up Dexter Williams to do it or you know, have Malik Taylor. I know he's not the prototypical size for it, but literally anybody with any you guys kind remember of speed. when Jeff Janis used to return kicks? Yeah, I do. <laughs> he was fine. So make MVS make MVS return kicks. Just, he's just Jeff Janis. <laughs> I have a. I don't. I think he would be blasted into oblivion if he was returning kicks. But I, MVS really? Yeah, maybe Is, not. Isn't I thought him and him and Janis were like quite literally prototypically the same. Uh, maybe I'm underrating MVS's shiftiness because of the routes he runs. Um, but I don't. I'm willing to try it. I suppose. Well, I was. I because I don't remember Janis being terribly shifty. But uh, apparently at the Combine, Janice weighed 20 pounds more than MVS. So, yeah, that is pretty significant. That's pretty significant. That, that MVS frame just isn't very substantial. Like, have Equinemius St. Brown do it. He's got wiggle to him. Yeah. Sure. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, ESB, I thought, he's not super straight line speed fast, but he's got some wiggle. Yeah. I don't know. Let's let's bring up the, the, pra- the practice squad. Like, I'm sure we could have freaking... Uh, uh, a uh, long snapper back there, and it wouldn't be as any worse than Darius Shepard. <laughs> well, here's a better question: Will they make this move? Because there's a lot of moves over the years. You're like, well, they've got to make, they've got to get this guy out, and then they don't. So, we, I mean, Darius Shepard returned a kick after you know after he fumbled. He sure so, like, did. Are we sure they're even going to make this move? I don't think they will. I would bet against it because we've. this is not new evidence that he's terrible. He's been terrible all season. This was just extra terrible. Um, they seem to like him. Maybe he practices well or something. I don't know. Um, but I will wager against it, and they'll just wait for Irvin to come back and problem solved, and they'll have him around to do whatever he does when he's not on a football field. Um, that's, I think, how they'll solve it. But um, you can make better use of that roster spot really, really easily. So... But I would bet against it. I don't think they'll change it. They seem happy with him on the team screwing up kickoff returns. Uh, Vernon Scott ran a four-five. Mm, he's okay. hurt though, isn't he? Is he? Thought yeah. he was still dinged up. I could be wrong. I don't yeah, know. He could. He could be. In. Yeah. There, so, there are <laughs> a lot of contenders from the, the practice squad. Are like I think uh, Dexter is hurt too at the moment still. So. Um, and there may be a little. <laughs> Do limited. they see in him though? So we've asked this about. <laughs> MVS got, before actually. It's got to be a chemistry and I think thing. Gets, at least with MVS, yeah. At least MVS is blazing fast. Like that's fine. You can work with that. Yeah. Uh, Darius Shepard is literally nothing. <laughs> so it's got to be a chemistry thing. So that's the only thing that makes any kind of sense. Maybe he's a super good practice influence. Maybe he's like one of those Rudy style tryhard guys. I mean, fake Rudy, not the actual guy who was just an asshole. Um, <laughs> the but like that's the only explanation that makes any sense. There's no other reason to have him on the team. Hey, what about Henry Black? Oh, that's a good call. He ran a four three at his pro day. Yeah, he's fast. He's a good athlete. I have no idea if he has any return experience, but uh, he fits Don't the care. prototype pretty well. <laughs> they have a. I think he's got another game. Like he was elevated once. I don't know if he was elevated twice from the practice squad. They might not even need to use a uh, a roster spot on him on the fifty three. But I I don't know that for sure. I don't think Henry Black is. I think he's he's played one game. Um, and I, I know Beagleton. They had to cut and resign. Yeah, that did happen. Oh well. Mm-hmm. Nine Tremont Williams isn't he available again? <laughs> uh, was isn't he on the Ravens? I don't know. He may uh, he have he just he just got signed by someone. Oh, I think good. it was the Ravens. Yeah, I think the Ravens signed Tremont. 
Also, I'm pretty sure Tremont Williams is the only skill position player in the league who's older than Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Dude, that's not far off. Tremont Williams is 37 years old and a half. 37 and a half. Unfortunately, it is far off. But uh... <laughs> okay, okay, Paul, you're turning what? Forty two. Forty three. Okay, but, but uh, still, when, a thirty seven year old skill position player. That is insane. <laughs> that is pretty nuts. Good for you, Tremont. The Buck said goodbye to Jason Terry. That was the last Wisconsin sports figure that uh, that was north of me. So I went. Uh, I became elderly at that point. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a rough when it happens. Uh, Randall Cobb was the first NFL player younger than me. <laughs> and then, he, and then he olded his way out of Green Bay. He did, but it, you know what? Still good, having a good, still, nice bounce back <laughs> yes. season. Just kind of hurts, though. Yeah, but yeah, when a player olds their way out of Green Bay and they're younger than me, that was that was my first like. I think I'm old. <laughs> yeah, Jermon right. Williams, undrafted in 2006. One of the That's best. Insane. One of the best UDFAs. Nope. Him or Sam Shields. Um, very similar. It's Tremont. It's Tremont's way better than Sam, but really, yeah, absolutely, for a longer period of time too. Eh, that's fair. Um, I think I think I would have said peak, maybe Shields better peak, but overall body of work, yeah, Tremont. I think Tremont's twenty ten is like one of the best corner seasons that the teams ever had. So. Tremont is a Super Bowl year, so yeah. like it may not be technically better than peak Shields, but it's more memorable than peak. That's Shields. fair. That's fair. Yep. Uh, but Shields did get his uh, Super Bowl ring tattooed on his neck. Nice. Have you, you guys ever seen that? Oh. The uh, entire side of Sam Shields' neck, like the size of if you splay your hand good out, for him. Is, God. is a tattoo of his Super Bowl ring. If you got one, you should wear it. Absolutely. That's uh, one way to do that. Yep. <laughs> No, so in this game, there, there's a pl- this play at the end where they rule a forward pass on Philip Rivers. Oh my God! You mean the fumble? The the Philip. So, it was so fumble. close. It was so close. Broadcast didn't seem to feel it was that close. They seemed to feel, oh yeah, it's definitely going forward. Mike Pereira, oh yeah, it's going forward. And I just kept looking at it, looking at it, like I maybe because the finger hit it and pushed it forward as you know as the ball slipped out of his hand. But yep. yeah, I re- I thought I thought. I really thought that might be ruled a fumble on replay, and that uh, that was obviously a crucial moment. Yeah. It, it was ruled a fumble on the field, and yeah, the, the replay but overturned. I, you're right, you're right, you're right, and and I thought you're right, and I thought that was a big part of it. Like I don't know if they can overturn this based on what they called on the field. I'm shocked it was and overturned. That was close. Uh, and I agree with your diagnosis of it that I think it was out, and then it got pushed forward after it was out. He kind of fumbled it to right. himself. He's, he's like spider handing it. Like yeah. his the the ball was on top of his fingertips. He wasn't actually <laughs> holding it. Matt, by the way, is a fingertip knuckleball gripping a LaCroix can right now. Yes, so. knuckleball grip. That is perfect. <laughs> he was knuckleball gripping it. Thank you. The Thank you, baseball, for the first time. Control. So they assess that as actually having control of the ball. I just yeah. don't see that. Control D's nuts. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> imagine that imagine if i don't want to make this a referee referendum there's enough of that with the big 10 so i am sick of that but like and and the colts got called for like 75 holding penalties boy did they ever if if they call the aaron jones face mask a blatant one then they don't go for it on fourth and one from the you know 34 they kick a field goal that ties the game and then they end up winning the game like there's there are a couple very very 50 50 things that happen in this game yeah a ton Mm -hmm. of them that face mask was super egregious too there's a ref tackled by his helmet like it's not even 
I think uh, all the announcers was, and everybody on the field were just assuming there'd be flags flying everywhere because it was so obvious, and then there weren't any. <laughs> it was uh, one of the most egregious misses you'll ever see, a lot, like right up there with the Purdue-Minnesota miss uh, at the end of <laughs> their game. So, I, I don't get that reference. Oh, man. So one of the worst calls in the history of college football cost not, not we don't care because it's minnesota oh but, oh the the pass interference yeah the offensive I, pass I, interference I, yes i do get that reference that one is worse because that is the invention of a call that does not exist yeah agreed. at least you can justify just like flat out not seeing a play although i don't know how anyone missed the Aaron Jones play they were too busy looking for holding from other guys they found holding everywhere they looked but they couldn't see what was happening with the ball yeah. to me this was a game a, a perfect instance of players getting in a ref's ear and the ref's actually listening there was definitely um, some of that um so the packers were complaining about holding early in the game and the colts were complaining about z lining up off sides and, and uh those, it worked <laughs> those two things worked <laughs> the holding penalties were hilarious um but by oh the way God. on on the declining yards for time um the the site edge sports did agree that that was a correct move by matt lafleur just uh, I know it's tempting to make somebody go first and 30 instead of second and 20 because first and 30 basically dooms you. But uh, uh, per the analysis there, they saved about 10% of win percentage by by declining there, even though it got a little squirrely towards the end because of Mike Pettin. You, um, <laughs> you think that uh, Packers manager of football analytics, Jack Preminsky, was involved in that in that uh, decision? I do. Um, it. it um, it was a good analytics game from that point of view. Also from uh, Matt LaFleur intentionally taking a 12 men on the field penalty to uh, speed up the down clock on a first and five. So um, good that analytics. That was amazing. Game. Good that analytics game amazing. all around. Yep. And and also um, kudos. Who asked him the question in the press conference? Because that was also a very savvy question. Um, yeah, shoot. I don't know. Was it the same know, guy but... who asked, how can you keep MVS? It was not whatever that guy's name is. Mark Mark Daniels. Mark Daniels um, asked oh, it. But hey, you know what? Shout outs to, uh, um, I, I guess, Blood Feud member of Acme Packing Company. <laughs> uh, Aaron Nagler asked like the best question. That's actually two weeks in a row. Aaron said a really good question. So, he, he asks good questions. Yeah, he he asked. Uh, he he noticed quite a few plays where the Packers were playing soft coverage on third and long, where their cornerbacks were behind the line to gain, and uh, you, you you can't can't do that because it just is <laughs> giving up i guess is what you'd call it <laughs> it's very easy it's very, it's very easy to convert when you could just throw to an open guy who's past the, the first down line um so he asked matt lafleur um if he had noticed that if he has plans to do anything about it and lafleur basically said yeah we got to fix that that's a problem when you are um playing soft coverage you uh you can't afford to have guys behind the first down marker <laughs> so he did notice and Again, Mike Pettin seems to get kind of passive-aggressively ripped almost every press conference now. So he should probably get his resume in order because he might last the season, but I think that's probably going to be it. So how is he still? How is he still the defensive coordinator? Like how? <laughs> uh, what? What about the, so the Packers' is, power rhombus is allowing him to maintain his? His position. Well, somebody in, in the Gute or front office must like him. And I understand once you start the season with him, not making a midseason change. I mean, uh, we, we can all sit here and say, just hire Wade, whatever, make a midseason change. It's hard to do that. You've got your scheme in place. It's hard to shift on the fly. But uh, I don't know why they brought him back this year. It's not like he's been good before. Um, so I don't know. 
he must have just made football friends with somebody in the front office. It happens sometimes. I think it's got to be a really toxic relationship when you're a seven and three football team, seven and two going into this week. And even though we can all see the flaws with the defense, it seems like it's a recurring theme. I mean, the rhombus, the the bottom line is they're one of the best teams in the NFC by record. And they are, I think, legitimately capable of going to the Super Bowl. It's not a mirage. So to, to go through that massive mix up and sort of re have have a new defensive coordinator make it make relationships with everybody on the defense it's got to be really bad internally i think and and i I would venture to guess it's not so i i yeah i I don't think there's a change coming so this game specifically is a tale of herculean individual efforts uh raven green had an amazing game christian kirksey had his first good game in five years that's true Um, still can't run (laughs) rashawn gary played like his draft position Kenny clark folks yep Kenny Clark is a Kenny Clark is the best Packers lineman I have seen since my days as a child watching. It's so fun to watch. Oh my God. It's like fat people in it's, it's poetry, man. Watching that guy surge off the, Oh my God. It's so great. Do you know, do you know who honestly, who Kenny Clark reminds me of is Larry Allen, a person that size should not move the way he does. And he moves the way Larry Allen moved. I can totally see that. Um, Famer, right? Yeah. He, on the other side of the ball, but yeah, like Larry Allen was 330 pounds and ran like a 4.7. You, <laughs> you see those guys, like Aaron Donald's that way too. Jonathan Ogden was always like that. Just a giant guy who seemed to be skipping along without any weight on him at all. Well, so Aaron Donald has abs, whereas yeah. Larry Larry Allen had not what is referred to in powerlifting as the natty gut. <laughs> <laughs> Here's and, a guy who's got a lot holding up his pants. Yeah. Speaking and, of that, we talked a lot and, about Larry Allen. And... Uh, Kenny Clark has the natty gut and people with natty guts aren't supposed to move the way he does. God, it's beautiful. Yep. (laughs) A lot of the, a lot of the big, a lot of the big Colts plays that happened, especially the important ones, you could put squarely on Petten and not on any individual person screwing up. Um, Like Preston being in coverage yet again and giving up a touchdown 15 yards down the field. Now I, I, I can't point out, well, uh, I think it was Amos. Like he went with Jair yeah. instead of with Preston, and you know you got to go with Preston there. <laughs> so kind of his fault, but also don't have Preston doing that in the first place. That's ridiculous. Oh my god! Oh my god! The best the best Twitter interaction related to that play. Uh, speaking of Aaron Nagler, he was praising Rashawn Gary's performance and said that he should be seeing the field over Preston. Which and should. someone said, someone said, okay, well, how's his man coverage up the seam? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought about that joke and just got busy. Uh, that's good. You laugh now, but when Preston Smith or Rashawn Gary pick sixes it in the NFC Championship game, and we have the uh, the perfect serendipity with the 2010 season. Okay, I'll tell you this, Here, Jr. Pop quiz: What what former Packers first round pick on defense has the exact same 40 time as Rashawn Gary? Jamal Reynolds. Ha ha, Clinton Dix. Ooh. Rashawn Gary and Haha Clinton Dix have the same forty time. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, Rashawn Gary looks really good. It looks yeah. like their faith in him through that first season was pretty spot on, pretty spot on. And they're gonna need him because Preston looks like he's just not gonna work. <laughs> Preston just is just booty. He's definitely not gonna come back. That's for sure. Uh, he fails when he's pressed on. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. That's so, uh, wow, so bad. That's just really bad. Um, what about Adrian Amos? Because uh, he, I think, 
I don't know if we've talked about him as a potential cap casualty, but I know that's out there along with Preston Smith, but the, he did have a good game. I mean, maybe that one play on the Burton touchdown wasn't, wasn't it, but like he, he had a really good game again. He's kind of indispensable. And if Darnell Savage <laughs> isn't going to become a star, which might be the, where we're headed, um, man, he is really hard to, really hard to say goodbye to Adrian Amos. It, I think he's not going to be back because of the cap only, but you're right. There's no replacement for him on the roster. And, I don't know what they're going to do other than you can try drafting to replace him, but uh, drafting safeties is hard. <laughs> Certainly can't count on it. I mean, Adrian Amos has frankly earned his money. He's, you know, he's not paid like a superstar. He's paid well, but he's paid exactly like what he is. And it's not like you would suffer from bringing him back at like the same deal. You wouldn't. That's what he, the kind of performance he's going to put up. I kind of hope they find a way to bring him back. Um, I like him. I like solid safety play. I'll take that every day. Like, uh, and if they let him go, like Savage, I think is bad, and you can't have two bad safeties. That that's like the worst. It doesn't work at all. <laughs> We've suffered yeah, when through you that have before. T- when you have two bad safeties, you have the Packers defense for the last five years. Yeah, <laughs> you have the haha plus scrub defense, which is very, very, very bad. Um, so you got to have somebody solid back there. It's an important position. Um, well, I but, mean, the defense was okay when Morgan Burnett wasn't hurt, but that was a very rare. Yeah, he got hurt a lot, and also not really a true. He's in, you know, not a true safety. Safety. He's he was a, in a dimebacker. Dimebacker. They own Buchanan position. Yeah. All that said, which, I don't know how they're going to bring him back, uh, other than the fact that it might just be a free agent class that doesn't get paid very much. Um, because I mean, it's so the estimated cap next year is 175. Yeah, it's a reduction of. 10 percent, isn't it yes it is it's going to be a tricky one uh, there's, there's going to be a lot of good players out there to to sign but it's going to it's going to be a weird offseason because everybody's going to think they're worth more than they are and they're right but there's just not going to be free money available you're going to get some good deals um, you know what's funny is uh when the the packers were going to extend aaron Rodgers, there was talk of him negotiating his deal as a percentage of the cap so his deal would escalate based on the cap. So he was going to be, you know, 21% of the cap or whatever. Never happened before. Probably will never happen, honestly. But imagine if that was the deal that Aaron Rodgers signed and next year the cap goes down. down. <laughs> you would be so mad. Oh, oh man. It would be, be such helpful. a fun story. It would be, it would be incredibly <laughs> helpful. <laughs> and and uh, checking in on Aaron Jones, like we kind of do every week, is, he, you know, he's been fine, but... He hasn't necessarily been a game changer, and it's just feeling less and less like they're actually going to have, you know, they're actually going to pony up the cash. I'm not sure where they're going to get it. Well, there's, so there's, you have two options when you have a, a running back in a contract year. You can either not use them, and then they don't look super great, and their market value goes down, or you can do what the Cowboys did with uh, Is he Murray. Gil? Oh, with the, with the Marco Murray, okay. And you give him 400 touches, run the goddamn wheels off, and say, good luck. Yeah, uh, they seem to be going the don't give him that much work. Um, but he's mm. also not playing that well. He's okay. He's like 12th in DVOA. But he's basically average. He's like average catching, average running. And, you know, it's easy to find an average running back. It's like the easiest thing in the world to do. So but he was so he was great until he started getting manned up with corners. Like, that was the thing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he's manned up with a linebacker. Let's r- run him up the seam. And... I've been saying this for weeks and weeks and weeks now is that scheme always gets figured out. Tape always wins. And people know that when Aaron Jones is on the field, 
they're better off in nickel than they are in base. It's just simple as. It's true. That's also reflected in his expected yards per carry, which is much higher than Jamal's is because Jamal, when he's on the field, gets base because he's not going to torch anybody in the passing game. So um, he, they sort of create their own mismatches that way, and Aaron, that's a little bit of value, but he's not really making the most of it. So I think he's, uh, now I think he's as good as gone, just the way that the cap is working, and the fact that I still think he'll get some suitors that'll overpay him, but not having a great season. So I said that he would get Le'Veon Bell's contract earlier in the year, and I still think that that is the case. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Meanwhile, Devonte Adams has another hundred-yard receiving game. I don't even know if it's oh, like yawn. Who's breaking? Yeah, I know. Like seriously, he's just so freaking good. Yeah. Speaking of like Kenny Clark, fun players to watch when he has the ball in his hands. I said this on a previous podcast. You know he's going to get those last few yards. He got the ball near the end zone, and they were there were blockers, but like it looked like from on the TV replay that you know that the, there wasn't room to run, but you knew he was going to score. You knew it, he was going to get in the end zone. It reminded me of the um, Eddie Lacy touchdown against the Vikings where he took that safety's helmet off (laughs) where he was running to the edge and you're like, there's no gap there. Like, why is he still going to the edge? And then he just kind of like right through some couple blockers and he's in the end zone. (laughs) If they can get him singled up, he's just deadly. The Colts did do a nice job on him late taking him away with some safety brackets. Um, And especially right at the end. Um, But he still just dominated that game. But it would be nice to get Lazard back to help that out. Uh, Tex had me run um, the numbers today on receiving touchdowns since 2016, since we know Devontae's been leading that for a while. Um, he is leading that category by eight touchdowns right now. Yeah, He has 50 touchdowns since the beginning of the 2016 season. Next highest is Tyreek Hill with 42. So wow. that's a huge gap. Um, <laughs> that's really, really incredible. There's... There's only a handful of guys. There's only 10 guys that have over 30, and he's got 50. Uh, so he, he he's really just amazing. Um, hey, completely unrelated. Did yeah. you guys see that disgusting drop by Michael Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did not actually watch the uh, Saints. Michael Thomas week. had a pass. He was making the diamond with his hands, and it went right between both of them. Did it really? Oh, my gosh. That guy's yes, got, like, the best like, hands in the world. That's crazy. Yep. So just completely unrelated to talk about Devontae being the best wide receiver in football. Michael Thomas had a disgusting they're, drop. They're big hands. If I did that, I don't know if a baseball could fit through those hands. They're, my <laughs> hands are so tiny. By yeah, the way, it almost hit him. It, it almost hit him in the face. Shout out! Shout out to Taysom Hill who played really well and uh, <laughs> and won me in ESPN fantasy league as my tight end. <laughs> Tell me you had him as your tight end. I did have him as my tight end. You goddamn son of a bitch. <laughs> It was great. I, I scored 157 points in that league and won by 24 over the first place team. So I'm very happy oh about that. Oh my god! ESP, ESPN's got to fix that. That's ridiculous. Um, I, I actually hope they take it away from me. But he, uh, I didn't think he could play a game that well. So kudos to Sean Payton for figuring that out. I'm surprised I haven't gotten any hate about that. Because back when the Packers were playing the Saints, I talked a whole lot of crap on Taysom Hill being paid 21 million dollars to not be a quarterback. Yeah. And had a lot of defenders in my mentions. None of them came back. Give the league three weeks and that won't be a problem. <laughs> uh, also, I'm going to so, blitz through the rundown here so that we can uh, we can get to the Bears game. Because oh, I, yeah. I thought Devontae is interesting as we talk about the Bears who are capable of taking away number one receivers. It actually could be a really big game again. 
for NDS here against the Bears. But uh, we, we talked about Christian Kirksey having a good game. Ty Summers played a lot, weirdly, including for Kamal Martin at times. Yes. And you, that was strange. Weird because he's bad. Um, very strange. Yes. Per, very like Darius Shepardy personnel decision on the defensive side. Strange. Don't Tyler do it Lancaster, one of my one of my favorites up front, of course. He had a good game. Uh, Kevin King only gave up one one catch, or did he only have one target? One target. He got he got burnt in zone, so it's uh, yeah, it's he didn't follow his man to the edge of his zone, like it was. But a typical like good Kevin King game from this season, where you don't really hear his name very much, which is the best yeah. thing that you can get out of Kevin King. Yeah, you're right. We heard a lot more actually of Alexander in in a weird way, and he was so, so the, good. But like people are talking crap on Alexander and that fourth down conversion. Um, he was manned up with someone, and they ran a rub route. Yep. Like every, every Deion Sanders would have got beat. Yeah, there. like it's it, it's, it's a just, tricky tricky route to do, and it's it's got it takes two men to defend it properly, and uh, you know it just was well executed by the Colts. I wish the Packers did that that play a lot more than they do. It works really well almost every time. I do feel like the Colts played really well. I mean, they had some, yeah, they ran the ball a ton in the second half when, you know, when the Packers couldn't stop the running game. And that did feel more like the Packers were just not strong in that area. But for the most part, when they converted the Colts, like that touchdown on Preston Smith, I mean, kudos to Phillip Rivers for seeing that Adrian Amos was headed the other way and match taking the matchup that was there. Like that was a great ball. It was well executed. The kicking game was well executed. They hit, you know, they, they doinked a 50 yarder, but Mm -hmm. hitting all those, hitting all the field goals they had to hit and then kickoffs, making sure Darius Shepard got the ball. Like, that play that hits the one one yard line, like that's incredible. If that works out for the Colts, that's just incredible execution. Yep. So they're one of that's the why sm- I'm encouraged. I, the Colts played okay. Like they're not a superstar offense, but they're good enough. And the Packers had them. You know, they had them in overtime. They did, and, and I think there's a lot of positive to take away. One of the other positive things to take away: this is one of the smart teams. Um, Frank Reich is one of the best coaches. They do all. They tick all of the analytics boxes and all the good coaching boxes. They do a lot of pre snap motion. They do a lot of play action. Um, if uh, there are people have been wondering all week, what happened to Carson Wentz? Why is he bad now? Well, last time he was good, his offensive coordinator was Frank Reich, and then Frank Reich left to coach the Colts, and he has not been the same since that happened. I just I can't believe that people see Nick Foles winning the Super Bowl against the Patriots, yep. and still ask why Carson isn't good anymore. I, I, yeah, I think that kind of proves it, that it was the system. The, yes, the answer is that it was Frank running the offense, who happened to just make any quarterback sitting in front of him good, and it still continues to this day. I mean, he has even gotten good play out of Jacoby Brissett, who's not a great talent, but he has clearly done his homework on Jacoby, and when he goes in for his, you know, his run play, run fit options, um, gets the most out of him there. Got a, like a good season and a half, or a good half a season out of him. Um, He's just a really good coach and a very quarterback-friendly one. Um, uh, you know, he's the prototypical backup quarterback becomes a a quarterback guru guy. So that's why. So before before we completely move on, yep, Philip Rivers is the best quarterback out of his draft class. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's Eli. Who else? Eli and Big Ben. Big Ben. Um, eh. I think what's odd is Philip Rivers has the least chance of going to the Hall of Fame of the three of them, and that's oh, that's the thing that bothers me the most. Uh, I, you can you can at least make a case that Ben was better. Um, uh, it's close. I, I'm not sure. I, I have to go check a little bit. I think I'd probably lean Ben over Rivers, though. Um, it's 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 super close. People say things like Rivers was never the best like quarterback in the league. He did lead the league in DVOA twice. Um, he's almost always been top five in his prime, and uh, he it's really just playoffs for him just never performed well in the playoffs as a member of the chargers and 
that's that franchise's fault more than anything else. That <laughs> they're they're just not well run. They're dumb. What year was it where they were like the best offense, the best defense, and statistically one of the worst special teams of all time? Oh man, two thousand. Like they had that for multiple years, but um, I, it was I an LT remember. year, so two thousand four, something like that. So yeah, the the um, Chargers were arguably the best team in the league, and their special teams was so bad they lost a playoff game. Yep. And it was because of the special teams, like specifically. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. D- okay. Phillip Rivers not being traded to the Chargers, staying on the Giants. Yep. Do the Giants have an extra ring? Yes. I think so too. Yep. With that I defense, I think three. so. Because Eli's cost them a couple um, <laughs> good teams. Okay. All right. Bears should, we do, should we do Speaking Bears? of Nick Foles or not Nick Foles, <laughs> who knows? Who knows who will be quarterback? It won't be Nick Foles. Schrodinger's quarterback. Still rooting, still rooting for Deshaun <laughs> Kaiser over here. Schrodinger's quarterback. Yep. That's way better than dad jokes that you have. That's really good. <laughs> I, got some, I got some deep cuts, man. That's <laughs> good, man. Philosophy jokes. I'm into it. I'm into it. We, uh, I mentioned, you mentioned, this is on the rundown, Devontae Adams matched up with Kyle Fuller like that's a tough matchup for for anybody so again this is a chance for Marquez Valdez Gantling to actually have a really good bounce back game and you know it seems like that's something Aaron Rodgers would be into like giving him as many opportunities <laughs> as he can to have a standout game and uh you know got to think this how is many, it well how many um how well are the bears against tight ends uh not not that great like middle middle of the road 15th or so, so is this is this another Tunyon game? Is I think, this a Sternberger breakout game? I think Tunyon they'll probably have his normal good Tunyon game, like fifty in a touch, which is fine. Um, Kyle Fuller, by the way, number one this year against number one receivers. What yeah, really? Yeah, by splits, uh, he wasn't. Is. Wasn't Kyle Fuller the one who got burned by Geronimo? He, had, he in Rogers was knee game. He had a really bad game or a bad season last year. Um, I, I suspect he was hurt. Um, but the, the other problem, uh, so. Kyle Fuller gets the number one, um, and he has been awesome. Notable, though, Eddie Jackson's on the COVID list right now, and mm-hmm. I suspect safety help is very instrumental in that ranking. So don't be too surprised if Dante comes out and Devont- Dante Devonte comes out and still has his normal um, super good game. So it's a tough challenge. Dante Culpepper. Yeah, Dante Culpepper. It, it, so Devonte has a tough challenge, but uh, the the Bears are going to be weakened by their their safeties in this game that they normally have. So I still think he'll be fine. But yeah, this is um, not good against the down roster receivers of which MVS is one. So um, this is a good game to go back to him. The, the Bears are not deep by virtue of the fact that they suck at drafting and also trading and also signing people in free agency. Um, and uh, so they have no depth. They have zero depth at all. And whenever they lose any player, there's nobody there to replace them. So it's Fuller, and it was Jackson, and then they have their guys up front. They have Mack, and they have Roquan Smith. But if anybody goes down, there's nobody there to replace him. And uh, so if if your roster is deeper than their roster, you can usually beat them, and the Packers should have no trouble doing that. It should be fun. And who knows who the quarterback will be? Well, the only thing we or know for sure back. is they'll be bad. Yeah, the, the running back is going to be Cordero Patterson. It's probably going to be Cordero Patterson. He's going to run for 130. Yeah, um, th- that that actually is a little bit worrisome. I feel like he always is a Packer beater to a large extent. Not only is he a Packer beater, but he's also considered, I guess, like a power back almost, which the Packers have not been good against this year. And he is the best kickoff returner of all time. And uh, oh, come on! I think he has more touchdowns, I believe, now than any than other Hester. Kick- Hester was not a kick returner mostly. I think he only had two kick returns in his career. He was a punt returner mostly. 
So you're saying this could be in Hester, NFL, in NFL history. touchdown in the in the Super Bowl. He has the fastest touchdown in the history of the he Super Bowl. He does, but that wasn't his forte. It was odd for that reason, much like the Desmond Howard um, one was a little odd for him. Not fair. So what you're saying, Paul, we have NFL history coming up on, when is this, Sunday night? Uh, the worst kick returner in NFL history, yep, maybe, that's versus right. the best kick returner in NFL history, maybe. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, that's right. Um, it, it's a oh, yeah. okay. Pro, the worst pro, packer ever. Oh my god! I'm sorry. I stand by that. Reference. He's the worst packer ever. I'm going there too. I'm racing you right there right now. Uh, pro Football Reference combines kick and punt return yards. Do they? That's stupid. Why do they do that? So Brian Mitchell is number one with a bullet. If you combine yardage, um, he's got four thousand more yards than second place. Okay, so Cordero does not return punts, um, and he has eight. Like I said kick return touchdowns um and uh i i think that's the most ever i'll try and find on stat head but um this is my guy vi sikahima vi sikahima ask vi um, okay looking at yards per kick return cordero oh, patterson is number two behind gale sayers there that's a good that's a good person to be in the same company as <laughs> and he's he's only behind by a little over half a yard so yeah. It's a diff- different so, time. Who is kicking? Who is returning kicks? Who, which priority players yeah, are returning it, kicks? If you want to, if so you I'm, want a plausible scenario on how the Packers do lose this game, it is that the Bears' defense is still good, even though it's a little weaker than it's been all year, and they have the special teams advantage. And we know how Packers special teams gets every once in a while, so um, could could be a problem. So looking at looking at this list of yards per kick return, um, and the Hall of Famers that are on it. None of them are modern era players. <laughs> um, the, well, that makes sense. In the top, kick returns don't happen in the top anymore. twenty. Yeah, in the top twenty, Mel Renfro is the newest <laughs> Hall of Famer. He retired in seventy-seven. It's actually a problem yes. for the Packers too, because they their their kickoffs are not often touchbacks, unlike a lot of the rest of the league. Well, because specifically because they suck. <laughs> <laughs> Like last year, it's funny. Last October, I tweeted, "Please continue to mortar kick to this trash ass special teams," and that's still the case. Yes, because Sean Menenga sucks. Sean Menenga is the Mike Pettin of special teams, which is funny because they worked together in Cleveland, and that's probably why Menenga still has a job. And we just call him the Ronzuk of special teams and keep things consistent and easy. No, because Menenga looks like Ronzuk ate Ronzuk. Eh, fair Jeez. enough. Um, <laughs> Sean Menenga looks like the guy from The Shield. He's one of the thumbs. Michael yeah. Chiklis. Yes. If Michael Chiklis ate Ron Zook, there you go. That's that's Sean Menenga. Okay. Speaking of special teams, J.K. Scott. One of the reasons they haven't been able to kick the ball into the end zone because he's been backing up Mason Crosby in the kickoffs. Not he's struggling so bad. Yes, he is. This is this is not go. This is not going well with J.K. Scott. I still think that's Menenga's doing, man. I'm going to go to my grave saying that. So, but he was not doing what you thought he was doing. He was he was not okay. So, we're, we're going to go over this. I, I on the third punt of J.K. Scott, I thought that he was punting nose down, which is a mortar punt, and he was not. However, um, his punt regularity was not did not lend itself to being shanks. He had a 38, a 39, and a 40. It's because they all went straight and they all went roughly the same distance. It's it's hard to call them shanks. It's almost like it was on purpose. This coming a week after he outkicked his coverage, he booted the ever-loving piss out of something and gave up a touchdown. I truly think that this is Menenga getting in his head and telling him to kick it higher. 
because last year Menenga screwed with his kicking mechanics and he shanked everything. He did. And he went back to what he knows best and he kicked out of his mind. I Sean Menenga almost ruined him last year, and I think that this is another instance of Sean Menenga doing it again. I hate Sean Menenga. We get that. <laughs> <laughs> It might be. He also might just be a bad puncher, though. Also quite possible. Occam's razor. But when he's good, he's so good. I guess. He's a, he's a punter. It's small sample sizes on punters. Just there. find a better punter. I mean, no, he's not Johnny Hecker. But, and he's probably still on the team because of his draft position. But I do, I do think that he can be good to great. Well, let's hope so. Um, Maybe I'll, he'll do the Tim Mastes thing and have a elite all world game in the playoffs. Yep. That uh, yeah. makes other, him a legend forever. You know, other thing we want to keep an eye on for this game um, is the weather, since Bear Packer oh, games shit. do tend to take place in bad cold weather, and both outdoor, not great. Um, so it, 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 that could also be a big equalizer for the Bears if it's one of those stupid windy games again, which would just be the perfect thing to have happen. Um, uh, I am optimistic though because they did just you know put up a whole bunch of points on the Colts. The Bear defense is good; it might be a little better than the Colts, but it's very similar. And um, if they're lacking, especially Jackson in the secondary, they're they're very vulnerable. And the, the place they're most vulnerable is the slot. I've been saying this to Bears fans forever. Um, they sent Buster Screen um, a couple years ago to replace. I forget who he replaced, but they had like the best slot receiver in the league. He went to Denver with uh, with Fangio, and They've been just brutal against slot receivers ever since that happened, especially this season. So if you can move Devontae there, that's good. If you can get Lazard kind of going, if he has another week to recover as a big slot, that's perfect. Um, I will go so far as to predict this will be a good Lazard bounce back game. Uh, this really, I think, plays to his strengths as a, a good slot guy and also like twice the size of screen. So good. should be should I thought be good. it was scrying. I don't care. <laughs> I, I watch almost every game on mute, and uh, if I mispronounce a bear slot corner name, he I calls him Endomican Sir. I don't think we're gonna be getting. <laughs> he does not. You do not say so. Do you actually say so? He does. Endomican Sir. Sir. I said, dude. I said, dude. It's fine. Paul, Paul's strengths lie elsewhere. He has many. It's Bob Tanya. Name pronunciation. Not, not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you could always tell. You could always tell who was homeschooled. Because kids who learned how to pronounce words out of books were never super good at them when they were in front of a crowd. And then you get things like people saying Ndamukong Sa. I was not homeschooled for the record. I just read, <laughs> I just read a lot of books on my own. You're a lawyer. It's close enough. By the way, three, 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 three players are tied with eight career kickoff touchdown returns. Um, there, Josh Cribbs has eight. Cordero, as previously mentioned, and Leon Washington has eight as well. Uh, what? The Jets guy? Yep. Not. Wow. <laughs> the Jets guy? I didn't even know he returned kicks. How do I not remember that? I don't know, but he did. Um, would you Would you say that he cribs a lot of kickoffs? I would say that, yes. Of those three, Cordero has the best <laughs> has the best yards per return by a lot. So There you go. Mel Gray, <laughs> Mel Gray has six. Dante Hall has six. Um, and Ali Matson and Gail Sayers both have six. Mel Gray only have six, but Leon Washington has eight. eight. <laughs> Doesn't make sense to me. Don't know what to tell yeah. you. Let's do some questions. Yes, let's let's do that. Bro, let's start with our sponsor, Steve. Appleton yeah. Coffee. Steve at Appleton Coffee on Instagram asks in my Discord DMs, why is MVS still on the team? 
he borrowed that question from the uh, press conference. <laughs> well, no, the press conference question was it. Uh, how much how, longer? No, it was how do you stand MVS? I think was the. Is that really how it's worded? I'm pretty sure the exact wording was like, Wasn't how it? can you stand MVS? I think it was how do you live with him? Is it- oh, live with yeah, him. How do yeah, you yeah. Him? That's what it was. How how can you live with MVS? Yeah. Um, Which is slightly, still a problem, but slightly is. downturn. And I think we've, we've covered this one. The thing is, like, MVS isn't useless. Like, we've said many times we'd rather have a better receiver that he's not great. He's limited in the kinds of routes he can run, but he is blazing fast. Um, the last few weeks he has done a lot of damage running blazing fast and getting down the field. And, you know, as a fourth receiver, that would be fine. Yeah. As a guy to come out and be a field stretcher, you could do worse than MVS. It's just... If the more you force the ball to him on short throws, the more you rely on him to not drop passes. Like he just doesn't have good hands. It's not great. So, um, it, I mean, we all wish they would have drafted people or signed people, and they just didn't do it. But uh, you know, you, you you could do worse. And in fact, the Packers have done worse. There's worse on the team right now um, in Darius Shepard. So that's how you live with him. Okay, so you guys remember when Mason Crosby was really really bad? Yes. And there's the very famous video of Greg Jennings. Pickling him on the sideline. Oh, you guys don't remember the? There's a video of Greg Jennings literally tickling Mason Crosby on the sideline after a missed field goal. I do okay. not remember um, that at all, but I'll take your. You guys got to check it out. Uh, there is now a uh, Aaron Jones giving MVS a hug on the sideline video that is currently going around. Well, that's nice. So af- yeah, so uh, Colts have it second and ten after the the um, fumble and. Aaron Jones is rubbing MVS's back and whispering into his ear. So a, a very good team moment out know of that, all of this. I know that Devontae and MVS are very dissimilar skill sets, but I just can't shake the fact that Devonta Adams for two seasons was pretty vilified here, you know, like similar to Mason Crosby, like a lot of people were ready to move on a yep. lot, a lot, a lot. And then I obviously, I don't think MVS will ever be Devonte Adams, but I mean, could you imagine if they had drafted a top flight receiver who emerges as a number two, number three guy at this point in the season. And then you've got, you know, you've got Alan Lazard who obviously hasn't been healthy, but if he were and have MVS as your fourth option, like they would be devastatingly good. <sighs> they would. Well, that'd be good. I, I, I'm guilty of hashtag team cut Devante. I was never team Janice over Adams. <laughs> I, I will. There's I a will... lot to unpack with that though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was mostly, um, a certain type of person. Certain type of person. That, Somebody who that, likes that held yeah, certain we, political views. John Kuhn, maybe their favorite player for some reason. <laughs> that sounds sounds about white. Yeah. Slippery slope here, gentlemen. Slippery slope. Big so, Travis uh, Jervy fans. Stay focused. Travis Jervy. So, so no, I was I was never team uh, Janice over Adams, but I I did I did want Devontae cut. I I'm fully admit to that. I was wrong. Arif Hassan. Uh, beat writer for the Vikings, Vikings yeah. tweeted out yesterday, he has never seen a wide receiver improve more than Devontae Adams. He was comparing him to Nelson Aguilar, I believe, who's having He's, a well, huge bounce so back season. Someone tweeted and they said, like, hey, what if all the bad Nelson Aguilar takes age as well as the Devontae Adams ones? And Arif was like, hold up. Like, no one in the history of the league has ever improved as much as Devontae. Like, That's fair. That's fair. He, MBS is never going to be that good. Nah. But... 
I, I can't shake it though. I, you know, recent history tells me you just cannot give up on one of those guys so early, especially guys who do contribute, like you said, who do offer something. I mean, is it early? Is it early at this? No, point? you're right. It's, it's <laughs> maybe not. I think we know what we got on this one. I don't think he's going to have a big uh, different skill sets too. Like Devante has that right. incredible, you know, first move, um, and that's kind of why he was drafted and had to fix his hands. Um, and a few other tiny things. And MVS was a you know a project athlete, and those guys develop differently. What blows my mind about Devontae is people say that he was bad because he was playing through a high ankle sprain, which, yeah, that's all well and good. I remember mm-hmm. the, the Thanksgiving game against the Bears, the, the Brett Favre game, night, like when they brought Brett Favre in and they yep. were going to retire his jersey. Uh, Aaron Rodgers threw a slant to Devontae, who did not run through his man. And it ends up being a pick, and the Packers lose that game. Uh, I understand that play, playing through a high ankle sprain. I just don't understand how a high ankle sprain translates to not being able to catch the ball. Yeah. Ever. No, I mean, I, I, I agree. It's it's one of those things. Also, how did I pull that play out of the back of my head? Yeah. Like, <laughs> we, we, all, we all live through the... The Devonte development together. Some it was traumatic for some. Jannings tickling Mason Crosby. Yep. I have no idea where that's coming from. All right, let's knock out questions here and, and get done because uh, we're getting Patreon Patreon subscriber PJ Wessels the failed fourth down play and third down before the final field goal both misses. What would you have done differently in either of those cases? I know on the third down on the fourth down play, I would have called the face mask on Aaron Jones so they don't run it and they kick the field goal. <laughs> on fourth down, I would not. Uh, try and get my slowest running back into the flat. I mean, that was just a play designed for Devontae Adams. It yeah. just wasn't there. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very well defensed. I, I, I guess apparently Devontae was like the the only option on that play, and uh, yeah, that, way, yeah. that, that was the comment after the game. You sh- I don't think you should ever have that as your do-or-die play. You, you always need, especially when you have Aaron, like you need to give some options. Um, you know, uh, uh, Use some depth, have a guy a little bit deeper, a little bit more forward. Um, I, I hate that they throw deep on those plays sometimes, but it's good that they do that specifically so that you have the fear of people, uh, the fear in other defensive coordinators to know that you might throw deep. So have a stretcher there too to make up, you know, create some space. Uh, I just hate the the one and you're dead. It's almost like a fade. Like, all right, this is the play. It's either going to work or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, we lose. And I don't know. The, the Colts did a nice job sniffing it out and defending it perfectly. And there was nothing else to do. So um, just... It's it was fourth in a f- the length of a football. Just yeah, sneak. Run a goddamn QB sneak. QB like, sneaks are the most successful play in football. Do that. What's what's Tom Brady's? He's like ninety seven percent conversion rate. Yep. On fourth and less than a yard. He is. Like, do it. Like, they, 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 they put Tim it. Boyle out there. They, <laughs> they did it once this season and it worked. He got it. <laughs> They're one for one. Put Tim Boyle out there. They know that we're going to sneak it. We know that we're going to sneak it. I mean, they're trying to keep Aaron Rodgers from getting hurt. Isn't that it? That's what I'm saying. Put Tim Boyle out. Tim Boyle laser show. Let's go. They're trying to stop him from getting hurt, but it's very rare for quarterbacks to get hurt on a sneak. Tom Tom Brady's done it a billion times and never gotten hurt doing it. Tom Brady is a giraffe, and he doesn't get hurt. That dude looks like he would break in half from a stiff breeze. By the way, um. there's been a lot of research done on their short yardage struggles this week. Ben Fennell, um, Doug, they're like the fifth worst team over the last few years at four, third and fourth and ones. Um, Tex had dug up some similar numbers today. 
And I do think a lot of that's play calling. Their offensive line is a good run-blocking offensive line. They have a quarterback who, you know, is mobile uh, that you can use even if you don't sneak it out on the edges, getting easy looks. It's always bad when your conversion rates on short yardage are worse than your um, just average yards per target um, and your completion percentage. Like if you're uh, if you're in a situation where the other team is stopping a power run, um, you know they're going to have personnel out there to stop a run. Aaron Rodgers completes like 65% of his passes at seven yards a clip. If you're converting less than 65% if you're third and shorts, you're doing something wrong because <laughs> you're picking that up on just normal plays when they are thinking run or pass. You should be completing like 75% of passes on Paul, third and short. Football is, football is not played on spreadsheets. It's played out on the field. You got to think about the human element. And <laughs> Line up power. Grr, get stuffed. Ah, cool. God, so stupid. Um, so I don't hope Jonathan Deal. Hopefully they fix Jonathan that. Deal says game <laughs> three since the bye, including two ugly home games, already net nine turnovers, going to blow past the thirteen total from last season. The Packers in a malaise, or are they regressing to the team we expected to see before the season? Regression it might be mean. in a regression to the mean turnovers. Just aren't really the way to go, though. That could bounce any number of directions, right? Yeah. In terms of gauging whether or not they're regressing, they've had some bad fumble luck. I actually think they're regressing a little past the mean on that. Um, part and you know Aaron threw a pick but the Colts are a really good pass defense and he doesn't throw no picks when he does throw picks they tend to be against good pass defenses now their their losses have been pretty explainable the Vikings are weird um so the Vikings just lost to the Cowboys who were like I don't know one of the five worst teams in football and that was insane but the the Vikings um, I think it was a reef today same thing pointed out like I think it was Eric Eager at PFF they're the best team in the league on offense at yards per play. Like the Vikings average more yards per play on offense than anybody else. Um, and they're out not in the top 10 on offensive in terms of scoring. And it's crazy and weird. So um, they're ha- the Vikings are going to be a hot pick next year to have a, a big tick upwards regression to the mean. Um, this season, though, they're just a train wreck. But point, point being, the Packers' losses aren't that bad. Um, they're not great. All losses are not great. But uh, losing to the, the Colts are a really good team. Like they're they're seven and three now. They're the best defense, in the, one of the best defenses in the league. That's fine. That second Vikings loss is bad. But you know, weird weird weather. Delvin Cook tore them up. That happens to them sometimes. Mm-hmm. So they're still the Packers are still a good team. It's it's just how the season flows. They just happen to have a couple games stacked up. And I suspect Aaron will be fine. Won't turn the ball over that much anymore. Their fumble luck will probably improve, and they'll be okay. So just one. Well, if just luck. if the Packers were a literal dome team and they lost that game to the Vikings, no one would bat an eye. Yep. The problem is, is this Packers team is a dome team. That plays at Lambeau Field. It just Field. so happens to, yeah, it just so happens to play Lambeau. So that's, that's the problem. All right. We got one more, right? Dan, Dan Salsa. Salsa. How- delicious. Man. Is this going to be a spicy, spicy question? How good is Savage? I can't figure it out. He's just there. Savage is awful until he isn't. Yep. He's So he's bad. <laughs> <laughs> He has bad technique. You can learn technique, um, but he doesn't seem to be doing that. <laughs> and I'm not confident that the Packers have the defensive personnel to make that happen. Ooh, so, ooh, ooh, ooh. How's this? He's he's good athlete. Ha ha, Clinton Dix. <laughs> Damn it. That sucks. He, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great comp. I love it. But it's just depressing <laughs> to hear somebody say it out loud. Um, well, so, so ha ha being such a bad athlete meant that he was always so far out of position that he was in position to catch airmail passes. And Savage gambles the exact same way that Quinn Dix did, but 
he's so goddamn fast that half the time he overruns his dude. <laughs> <laughs> the dude's just a missile. He's a missile, and he's he gets burned a ton. I'm not a fan. Uh, he's still young. He could still turn it around, but um, uh, he's like too hey, fast about, for his own good. Savage for kick returns. They oh. should use Savage in kick returns. Just point him and tell him to go. Ah, that's a great <laughs> idea. Here's the ball. Go, go, go. Yeah. Run forest run. Uh, if that ever happens, though, it means they've given up on him at safety. So double-edged sword. But find some use for him. He's a burner. Um, yeah, I, I think we're all not huge Savage fans with the caveat that he's still young. He could develop, but he looks bad out there. Most DBs, uh, think about how Jair's come along like pretty quickly and is a good technical player and has improved year over year. You have not seen that from Savage. And Savage plays a less demanding position where it's usually pretty well spelled out where your responsibilities are. Um, you know, safety is it's not an easy position, but you get to see everything in front of you. Like corners are reacting all kinds of different directions, and it's just a lot easier when you know where you should be going. And he just doesn't seem to get it. So not great. I just tell you right now, Rams Buccaneers going on as we speak. Fourth and one, Buccaneers fourth quarter down a touchdown, ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, plus territory. And Tom Brady rolled out for a pass that was thrown incomplete. The Rams uh, take over. Arians, they did not run the sneak. You got to do it. S- sneak the ball. He's not. Is that is that a? Oh, and the Rams fumbled on the next snap. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> chaos! I think the Rams got it back. But I was gonna say, is that is that a function of Bruce Arians being the pass happy guy that he is? Probably, yeah, and conservative mm-hmm. with his quarterback. He's, oh my god! Did you guys see Dan Orlovsky? Said that Brady was not in a quarterback friendly system. Yeah, I did, which oh. is ridiculous. How, is that the dumbest thing you've ever heard Orlovsky say? And he says a lot of dumb he things. He does say a lot of, he's not a good analyst, and he does say a lot of dumb things, but that's probably the dumbest, yeah. <laughs> All right, know. let's get out of here. We, yeah. We've been rambling for way too long. We here, have. People. All right. Um, ha- hey. Happy holidays. You know what, though, it's I will week. say oh. shout, outs, shout, shout outs to the people on the Discord. Um, we have way more active fans on the Discord now than we do on the Twitter.com. Um, and I will say that I have been told that people do enjoy our rambly rants. They just don't comment that they enjoy them. Hey, the all right. Don't like the rambly rants that comment and hate it. People on the Discord, go rank us. Go give us a review on iTunes and a five star rating so that we get the people who don't like um, the occasional leftist views that sneak into the podcast <laughs> off, off of the top of the the rankings. That would be appreciated. Wait, we have left occasional leftist views. No, it's it's first of all, this is entirely my fault, and it's mostly trickle over from the baseball podcast. Though a little every once in a while on here, just just a teeny tiny bit. Oh my God. We stay mostly apolitical though. <laughs> that what a train wreck that game is. <laughs> it's, it's a complete train wreck. All just right. threw a total total terrible pick. The Bucks might tie this game after all. Oh anyway, all right. And, and love pl- those real time updates on a podcast. Really relevant stuff, right Super there. Super good. I love to date them all so that you know exactly when they happen. Jr. Um, anything to plug? Do you have Do you have the oh. uh, the live blog coming again this week? I don't know because Minnesota is covered in COVID right now, so it's not a guarantee as we speak that the Minnesota-Wisconsin game is going to happen on Saturday, Ooh. which is a major problem. Yes. Um, well, actually, it's, it's it less would of be one. a major problem. Yeah. <laughs> With the loss to Northwestern, knowing the Badgers probably aren't going to the Big Ten. Well, they're not going to the Big Ten title game yeah. anyway, barring a miracle. So, uh, unfortunately, no. We did a, I, 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 The game blog's been going great. Live blog's been going 
going great as long as there's football, which is not a done, you know, not not an obvious thing. The uh, the series on the Packers this week, posting on Tuesday, uh, is the game when they went to Atlanta, made a couple really dumb mistakes, yep. should have won, fumbled on the goal line, a couple other things, but went in and faced one of the best teams in the league. They did not win, but the blueprint was there to come back and beat that team later in the season. So a uh, little bit of a some, uh, you know, there's there it seems. Seems about right An compared to what's game. going on in 2020. Yeah. Um, so that's that's what's going on. Other than that, then just here and there, wrote about the MVS, you know, tweeting that he got death threats, which is really disappointing. Yeah. The, uh, not surprising. I mean, not surprising for a lot of fan bases, but Packers fan base. Yeah, I could see it. So <laughs> Packer fans. I'm not going to say by and large, but there's a large portion of Packer fans that suck yep. a lot. There are. There's a reason that people call the Packers the Cardinals of the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, I think the thing that makes Packer fans endearing this the small town you know, sense of ownership over the team is also a double edged sword. It absolutely you've got is. A lot of people who do feel a greater sense of involvement than maybe they should, and <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. It's I, I don't I don't like to even. It's so hard to paint fan bases. Like every fan base has brilliant genius fans and 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 guys who understand people who can like see things for what they are realists, and and then people who are over the edge who are just crazy. Yeah, every fan base has that. Um, when the fan base is larger, you tend to see more of the idiots. I do think the Packers have a pretty good following. So uh, we know this. So I think that's what you see, but that, that's always unfortunate. It's just like, it's hard enough to be, you know, to be a professional athlete in Green Bay. That's a weird market. And mm-hmm. so like, you want to try to make it as welcoming as humanly possible uh, when you've got talented guys. And that's, uh, it's tough when you see that. But anyway, that's all I've written about lately. All right, Matt, anything from you? Um. No, uh, I forgot to record a new bump for our sponsor, but there's a new uh, blend of Appleton coffee called the Crab Shark that I will have in my hands tomorrow. So uh, I'll have a new bump for that. Why don't you plug the Discord that you did so much work setting up? So, so yeah, the Acme Packing Company has an actual Discord now where we, the Acme Packing Company staff, interact with fans, mostly during games. Um, There is a a link to the Discord on Acme Packing Company in an article I yeah, we've got that Nightbot spitting fun gifs and emojis and all kinds of fun. all kinds of nonsense. If you don't know what Discord is, if you're an old man like me, um, it is basically a uh, a chat room with extra features. So um, I'll put a link to well, you have a better. Ch- one? Sorry, chat room has me triggered. Old man, I told up, you. I grew up in the early days of AIM, so yeah. like chat room with extra features. So I'll put a <laughs> I'll put a link in the in the show uh, notes this year, this week when you do, but he does want to pop in and uh, please do. Uh, I'll have a piece coming up on the Packers short yardage struggles um, and try and compare them to some successful teams. Unfortunately, the most successful team at short yardage is the Ravens. And all they do is have Lamar Jackson like roll out and run for three yards every time, which is great if you can do that, but the Packers can't do that, but they should be better than they are. They're one of the worst. So keep an eye out for that. I'll have my shepherd call them up probably tomorrow and uh, we'll have the mini pod previewing the bears up um hopefully before the holiday sets in so you all can listen to it while you're driving to where you don't drive anywhere actually stay at your house listen to it while you're staying at your house with the time you saved not driving to a big gathering um and uh that'll do it for us enjoy the game next week and we will talk to you then Sympathetic eyes Stroll around